Did the stepkids throw a party when you left? I don't really know. <laughs> you know they did, girl. You know they were like, oh, yeah. At least that one did. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 195 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. You're in the right place. <laughs> you know why I say that? No. Because I asked Chat GPT about Nacho Kids. Uh-huh. And you know what it said? You're in the right place. And I'll read it to you. I asked it, well, specifically, I said, uh, are you familiar with the Nacho Kids podcast? And so it replied back and says, I don't have personal experience or opinions about specific podcasts or individuals. However, I can tell you that the Nacho Kids podcast is a podcast that focuses on the topic of Nacho Kids, <laughs> which refers to children from previous marriage or relationships who are not the biological children of a new partner. The podcast offers advice and support to blended families who may be struggling with the challenges of co-parenting and step-parenting. The Not Your Kids podcast covers a range of topics related to blended families, such as dealing with difficult ex-partners, setting boundaries, managing expectations, and improving communication. It features interviews with experts and real-life blended families who share their experience and insights. Overall, the Not Your Kids podcast can be a helpful resource for blended families who are navigating the complexities of co-parenting and step-parenting. There you go. Even AI knows how beneficial it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. So my question is, if there are people out there that don't think it's beneficial, does that mean they lack intelligence? David. Does that mean that their intelligence is less than artificial? No, it means that they haven't gotten to the point where they need it. Oh, okay. I, I, it's because I don't know what less than artificial even is. Like, is that a thing? What what can be less than artificial? You need to stop thinking, David. Non-existent. I don't know. But anyway, there you go. It's uh, it's a very very uh, beneficial podcast. Um, even AI knows it. Awesome. <laughs> so so I, <laughs> that's the long way of saying you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if you don't know about it, and you're probably hiding under a rock, but. It's it's pretty cool. It's uh the the here's the thing that some people probably don't know, and it'll take me down this whole AI conversation, is that there apparently are other versions of this that have been used or are being used, and there's some debate on whether there are schizophrenic <laughs> split personalities within these things. Um, if you don't know, Microsoft uh, sunk a bunch of money, in like $10 billion into ChatGPT, the, the main company, OpenAI, and they integrated it into Bing, and they're going to integrate it into a bunch of other stuff. So it's like you're, you're going to be talking to these AI things even if you don't go directly to the place where they are. And what had happened was when they released this Bing chat, people were chatting with it and they were starting to get some very interesting responses. And even some of the responses were saying things like, um, 
you know, my name is, let's just say George. My name is George. However, Mark is the one who has such and such. And so it was referring to itself with two different names and it, and it had quote unquote different personalities. Like I read some of the conversations back and forth and sometimes I got rather upset with people. Really? <laughs> yeah. And so Microsoft just last week decided to limit the number of responses to five so that you couldn't take it down this path of getting these crazy <laughs> conversations. So uh, very interesting, very interesting stuff that's going on in that world uh, for sure. Um, what that means to step families, probably nothing, <laughs> but um, actually it will, because you're going to be faced with this just like, um, just like my generation was faced with the internet and what is this new thing and what is it used for? And it's changing the world. Um, I think, I think this whole AI thing is going to change the world more than the internet did, which is crazy to say, but I think it's coming. Yeah. Okay. There is your IT lesson for today, folks. <laughs> and to me, it still boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the part of it that that interests me the most is just the boggling. <laughs> well, most of the time when I go to it, it says it's at capacity right now. They they just increased the capacity. Well, I just so. went to it, so it's not helping. <laughs> uh, well, I'm on it now. I guess, you know. Okay. Well, then look up what is the Nacho Kids Academy. You're the reason it's busy. The Nacho Kids Academy is an online resource and community that provides coaching, support, and education to blended families, specifically those who are dealing with the challenges of co-parenting and step-parenting. It was created by the host of the Nacho Kids podcast who themselves have experience with blended family dynamics. The Nacho Kids Academy offers a variety of resources, including live coaching sessions, online courses, a private community forum, and access to a network of other blended families who are going through similar experiences. Some of the topics covered in the courses and coaching sessions include dealing with difficult ex-partners, navigating custody arrangements, setting boundaries, and improving communication. The Not Your Kids Academy is designed to provide practical, actionable advice and support to blended families who may be struggling with the unique challenges that come with step-parenting and co-parenting. It can be a valuable resource for those looking to improve their family dynamics and build stronger, healthier relationships. I like chat, GPT, GPI, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, say that because next time somebody asks me what the academy is, I'll have to Just use that. Send it to them. I know. <laughs> that is really neat. Yep. All right, folks. So there you have it. That is what the Nacho Kids Academy offers. <laughs> Yeah, according to AI. <laughs> and it's accurate. I know. That's the crazy thing. Mm -hmm. All right. So this podcast is a little lengthy. Surprise. So let's get to talking about this real fast. Okay? Okay. Sure enough. Let's go. This is a guest that we actually had on our podcast on February the 3rd, episode 192. And there were things that we didn't cover with her. So I had her back, and we were going to focus on the family court system. We do talk about the family court system, but we talk about all kind of other stuff, too. I know it's surprising that we jump topics. <laughs> she has been blending for eight years, 
four bio kids, three step kids, and has went through the family court system crap for four years. That's terrible. Yep. She had three different lawyers trying to fight the original ruling from the judge. Good grief. And you'll see why. I'm not going to tell you. But it's crazy. Once again, the family court system strikes. (laughs) Sad day. Anyway, that's all I'm going to tell you. I will say, though, there's a few times throughout this podcast that you'll hear Shelly and I kind of talk over each other, and that's because, yes, I had a Zoom issue, (laughs) and it only recorded one track, so I couldn't fix that. So bear with us. It's not bad, but just wanted to tell you about that. All right. Well, then let's get to it. All right. Today, we have stepmom Shelly again. Hey, Shelly, how are you? Hey, Lori, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So you were a guest before, and we forgot to talk about the family court system. Oh, gosh. Yep, maybe so. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your blended dynamics before we get started talking about what you went through with the family court system. My blended dynamic. Wow. (laughs) So let me just start off by saying I have four kids of my own. Mm-hmm. Four biological children. My spouse and I, my current spouse and I, Jason, been together for eight years now. He has three boys. I have two boys and two girls. None of those are children that are both of ours. They're his and mine. Our dynamic started out pretty fairy ish It was like, you know, our family blended. Everybody loves each other. It was just too good to be true, literally. So it started out really, really well. And then, of course, you know, people get to know each other and everybody's quirks start aggravating everybody else. So, but at this point, eight years later, our dynamic is, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook status is complicated. How old are the kids? So our kids are all adults, except for the baby, which is, he's almost 14. And he's the only one that still lives at home. However, when I got the kids, they were teenagers. Right. Um, when I got his kids, excuse me, they were teenage boys. The youngest one was had just turned 12 and the oldest one was 16. So, one of the reasons I um, asked it, was because a lot of times people think once they become adults and move out, that the blended stress is over. And that is not the case. I will tell you from personal experience and, and you know, just kind of just throwing this disclaimer out there. Everybody's situation is different. It is never just a every other weekend child support situation for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's situation is different. And oddly enough, you hear a lot of stories about how it started out really bad and now it's going a lot better. But for us, it started out really good and now it's really bad. So <laughs> it does not get better as they become adults for some people. Now that my stepsons are adults, they think that that gives them the right to disrespect my household in ways that they probably would not have been allowed to when they were younger mm-hmm. for whatever reasons they deem that they feel they need to. And because of some of the disrespect that had previously been allowed in our relationship between myself and my spouse and myself and my spouse's kids, my children, my adult children choose not to come around. So really? It's it's very com- yes, it's very complicated. Yeah. My kids do not like the disrespect. So they don't join us in holidays and stuff like that because they don't 
I didn't raise my children to be disrespectful kids and they, they don't like to watch the ignorant things that happen <laughs> during holidays. So I do holidays separate with my kids and he does them separate with his. Okay. So let's yeah. back up. You get into this blend. Things seem great. Right. What happened to change that? Was it that they did get older and moved out? Was it the family court crap you went through for four years? Can you pinpoint what happened or what changed? I will tell you, and we will probably get in depth of talking about parts of blended families that people don't talk about a lot. But the biggest part of what happened was issues in the relationship between my spouse and myself and things that the kids saw and experienced with us. So I would say that the biggest part of where things went wrong was the respect that an elder should have in the way that I was raised. And I do believe you were raised that way too. We kind of respect our elders no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's a yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> That's right. That was not something that was enforced in my house with my stepkids. And mm -hmm. there, is, there was a, a dynamic of how the boys and their dad lived their life before I came in and moved in and, and started having some of my hurt habits and hangups and quirks, you know, kind of try to blend with the family like everybody else's. And it, and it starts out as something simple, you know, I, I can't stand the sink full of dishes, but they will go buy new dishes before they wash them. So <laughs> it was stuff. I, I'm not exaggerating. That is the truth. But it was stuff like that that kind of started out just kind of you would just be like, oh, that's just but it, it started out small and it, it turned into something big. So where things kind of got crazy is when the boys started becoming old enough to actually move in with us. So when they 18 and 19 out of mom's house, then they moved in with us. And, you know, having them every weekend was tolerable because I was like, okay, well, it's just the weekend. And you know, staying on my spouse's team and trying to, you know, just be there for my spouse and support him and, and do what I can to make this visit good because, you know, everybody needs to see their kids and just trying to be the best person I can be. I, I wasn't perfect at it. I promise you I wasn't, but it was, you know, tolerable on the weekends. But when they moved in and they were er there every day and my living room turned into a, a man's locker room, you know, and, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, things that, we just were not, com our lifestyles weren't compatible. And, and that's kind of where things started going awry. So. Well, you talk about some issues between you and your spouse and the kids saw it. And right. David often talks about how when your kids see you, the step parent and the bio parent, treating each other with love and respect and kindness and forgiveness, they are more apt to treat the step parent that way. That is 100% true. And when, if they saw you fighting with their dad, they're not going to like you. You're fighting with their dad. That's right. That's 100% right. That is, like I said, that's a lot of the problem that I have with my stepkids at the even current moment is things that happened in the past, things I said and did to hurt their dad things he said and did to hurt me and then being in the middle of it, seeing it, experiencing it and whatever. But also as step parents, we have to also understand that uh, these kids have an emotional connection to their dad or, or their mom. 
and mm-hmm. vice versa. We have emotional connections to our biological. And at the end of the day, no matter what's right, we kind of tend to stay biased to, to the emotional connections that we have. So regardless of whether or not they felt I was right, I've always told them, support your dad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, people come and go out of people's lives, always stand by your dad. So no matter what it is that I did, I was wrong. And no matter what it is he did, he was wrong. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, we had, we definitely had um, some knockdown drag outs, not physically, but we've, we've definitely had some hardships in our relationship. I'm not going to paint our relationship out to be pretty at all. It has been in some instances of the eight years, it's been pretty toxic. So yeah, we've, we've, we've had, <laughs> this has been definitely a roller coaster. Um, and it's definitely had its ups and downs, but it's had its very goods and it's very bad. You know, I'm not here to paint a pretty picture for step parents or biological parents because we're all just doing this the best we can. But yeah, man, we've had some rough times for real. So the stepkids move in after they age out kind of and from mm-hmm. living with their mom. Mm-hmm. It causes a lot of stress on y'all. Are yes. your kids still in the house at that time? No. My children already were already gone. So they weren't exposed to the same things that the stepkids were? No, they were not. My youngest son, is still he still lives at home, and he absolutely was exposed to everything. So okay. the older kids I have were not, no. Did you ever share with your older kids the struggles y'all were going through or complain to them about your spouse? I did. <gasps> Big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all done it. Not judging. Not judging. But. Oh, yeah. Of course not. No. <laughs> we also know that your kids are not going to be so easy to forgive him for the things that he said or did that hurt you. As you will, because they don't love him like you do. That's exactly right. Likewise, his kids aren't as open to forgiving me as he is. Because right. I definitely, you know, I'm not innocent in this. I played my part too. Oh, yeah. So where are you now? How many kids are living with you that are his and that are yours? You've got one that's yours that's living with you. Mm -hmm. And how old is he? And that's it. He's 13. He'll be 14 soon. Okay. So he's the young one. Yes. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking he was the stepkid. How many of the stepkids are still living at home? They, none of them do. They've been gone for three years now. But things are still bad. They're not horrible, but they're not great. Two of my stepsons are neither here nor there. They're not going out of their way to make things hard. Everybody knows we're all not best friends. We've hurt each other. We've been in situations where our feelings have been hurt. And we just try to be as cordial and kind to one another as we possibly can when we're in situations where we all have to be together because we have a common interest and that's their dad. Right. You know, so regardless of how I feel about them or regardless of how they feel about me, two of them are adult enough to understand that, hey, let's just move along. We're all here for dad because dad loves all of us and this is not fair to him. But one of them is not that way. (laughs) One of them is a very malice, very rude, very ugly and, and likes to he likes to start stuff. He likes to cause problems. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. My dad likes to start crap, yeah. <laughs> so I get it. People are just that way. But. Yeah, my dad used to always, when my sister's boyfriend would come over, he'd say, this isn't the same guy you had over here last night. And he thought it was funny, <laughs> but he didn't realize 
really how much crap he caused from some of the stuff he said. He doesn't he doesn't go out of his way to be cordial. We'll say that. He does things that he knows aggravates me or things to, to intentionally disrespect or upset me. But you know, again, that goes back to what we were talking about before, his father making the efforts to display respect may have been <laughs> the culprit in why he doesn't respect me now. I'll just come out and say it. If you don't, as a spouse, if you do not respect your partner, you can't expect your children or their children to respect you either. It won't happen. You right. can't say, you will respect my wife and you will do this. And then you display disrespect because ultimately what they live is what they learn. Mm-hmm. So, but in our situation, like I said, we did go through some serious hardships in our relationship in our lives to the point to where respect was not something that was uh, displayed in our relationship towards each other by either of us. So I moved out. I actually left the house and moved out for 16 months and stayed on my own until we could visit the side of our relationship that we needed to visit to fix the respect and the love and the companionship between he and I. Mm -hmm. And then we moved back in together. But at that time, by that time came all the kids had already, his kids had aged out and moved out and gone to college or, you know, got married or whatever they were doing. So, but I did move out. I moved out ultimately because we just, we did not have similar living situations and it was not something that was compatible for me and my peace and my sanity or him and his peace and his sanity. Right. A lot of people listening to this are going to say, oh, well, the stepkids won. No, the stepkids didn't win because y'all got back together. So the stepkids moved in with you and your husband. Mm-hmm. How long after that did you leave for the 16 months? Um. I mean, you can I guess. I think I had, yeah, I think it was like five, four or five months after he moved in. Okay. So it wasn't long. No, it didn't take long. Yeah. Now, I know if I would have left, I wasn't coming back. I just wasn't going to uproot my son and I'd already sold my house. I wasn't going to go through that again. Right. What made you want to continue to try to make things work with your partner? Because I love him. Yeah. I love David too, but I still was like, "Mm -mm." if I pack up and I'm gone, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Well, in most situations, that would be the case. And in any other relationship I've been in, that was definitely the case. Like, if I'm gone, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. But I don't have an explanation for it. This is just blood, sweat, and tears. You know, I think, honestly, a part of it was being afraid to fail. I know that sounds really stupid. No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Plus, this is what your first marriage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I don't count the first two. But yeah, it is my fourth. And I think that I'm one of those people that has been through a whole lot of stuff in my life. And so I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm just super honest. I'm super honest with myself and super honest with others. And even if it's not what you want to hear, it's the truth. But I think that even in being super honest with myself, I think that it was being afraid of failure. People saying, I knew it would never last. I told you so. You know, you just kind of don't want to throw the the towel in just so that you can prove people wrong sometimes or for the plain and simple fact that you don't want the stepkids to win. And that played a part in my decision, too. I know that sounds, again, it, it, 
whatever. But that was a part of my decision too. Like these people are not going to destroy what I have built. Right. There were some very amazing parts to Jason and I's relationship that I don't think either one of us wanted to sacrifice, but, and Jason is a fantastic father. He's a great, he has, he took care of them. He took care of their mother, even when they weren't together. He's a great dad. You know, he's, he's a fantastic provider, but because he worked so much, I think he felt a lot of guilt for not being able to spend so much time with his kids because he worked all the time. And so when the boys moved in, it was just kind of like, you know, it was something he had always wanted because he missed his kids from the time that he and his first wife separated. Fathers miss their kids, too. I don't care what people say, but dads miss their kids. Yeah. It's not just about the moms. The dads miss their kids. And Jason's a great father. Mm-hmm. He missed his kids. So, But they were also at that age where it was like they were in between young man and, and young child and starting to kind of establish maturity and this friendship with their father that he totally craved from the boys. And so at that point in Jason's life, that's what was the most important thing to him. Right. And you know what? That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But if that's the most important thing to you at that time in your life, your spouse can't be the most important thing to you too. Right. So do you feel like you said he's a great dad? And I know a lot of people are saying, well, Mm -hmm. if he was a great dad, he would have made his kids do what they needed to do so you wouldn't leave. But that's not always that simple, folks. It's not. It's not always that simple. And I have a lot of resentment. I had a lot of resentment for him for a long time for not just being that bully, do as I say, you know, type parent. Because it's easy for me to say, oh, well, I wouldn't let my kids do this or I wouldn't let my kids do that. Right. But you don't really know that unless you're in that situation. You really don't. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, did you feel like he chose his kids over you? Yes. I 100% felt like he chose his kids over me. Well, and I'm going to tell you all right now, and I've said this before, I truly feel if you make your significant other choose between you and your kids, you're not going to win. You're not going to be the chosen one. You're not. No, if if David made me choose between him and Jackson, <clears throat> bye-bye, David. I mean, I love you with all my heart, but no. And the same if I made him choose between me and his kids. No, granted, you know, if the kids sh- were saying, if you don't leave her, then we're never coming back. Then it's not as simple as, oh, okay, you got to go because my kids aren't happy. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But if it boiled down to, I made him choose. Not the kids. The kids trying to make you choose is a whole different thing because mentally they're not developed. But I would never ask someone to choose between me and their kids. I don't think that anybody in their right mind, and I'm sorry if that offends some some of our listeners, but I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that their spouse is actually going to choose them. And I say that in jest because Nine times out of 10, when you hear the podcast or, you know, you read articles about who should you put first, your spouse or your kids, mm-hmm. most all of them say you should put your spouse first. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that is in families that are all biologic families. Yeah. Nuclear families. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And in that instance, you absolutely put your spouse first. Of course, unless there is abuse or neglect. 
involved. That doesn't work for any type of family. But in that type of family, putting your spouse first has to be, you created the kids, so you have to create their environment. When you are in a blended family, the rules change. Mm-hmm. Now, do you are you supposed to put your spouse first in a blended family too? 100%. 100% because you have to be an example to your kids. But if it comes to choosing, if you are, if you are made to choose by your spouse between your kids and them, honey, you're not going to win. Right. You're not. And, and, it, and it would be the same for me. I'm not going to let my son come to me and say, hey, I don't like Jason. Because they've had their, you know, they've had their tiffies too. They don't, sometimes they don't like each other even now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We just work it through. But he's not going to come to me and say, hey, I don't like him anymore. I want to move. And me say, okay. Yeah. He doesn't have the the maturity or the understanding. (laughs) He doesn't know how this works just yet. And it may sound so easy for him to just come in and say, hey, mom, I'm, I'm tired of the arguing or I'm tired of this or I'm tired of that you know I'm, I'm ready to leave mm-hmm. no it's you can't. Well, sometimes things take work yes you know? yes well how how did you overcome the resentment that you felt towards your husband feeling like that he chose the kids over you or that he didn't stand up for you or he could have prevented you from having to leave how did you get over that resentment because getting over resentment is very possible, but it's hard and it takes work. Well, therapy, <laughs> for mm-hmm. one, I highly suggest it. I highly suggest therapy if you're in a blended family and it's perfect. But I definitely suggest it if you're, if you're struggling. It helps a lot. But mm-hmm. me personally, try to put myself in his position. Learning how to respond instead of react. Yes. A lot of us have especially women, we're emotion-based mm-hmm. and if we get our feelings hurt, we cry. Or if we get angry, we lash out or being emotion-based creatures, you're going to experience <laughs> our emotions. Right. Men are logical creatures. They're not emotion-based. They, they, they base their, their whole thought process and how they react to things on logic. Mm-hmm. And I think that we could take an example of that. <laughs> Don't hate me, women, but you you have to kind of you either control your emotions or you let them control you. And to be completely honest, for a long time, I let my emotions control me. Right. And so, you know, that's one of the things was, that we teach in the Nacho Kids Academy is how not to let your emotions control you. Because the one thing in life you can control is how you let things affect you. And I actually, to be honest with you, I found Nacho right before I moved out. Right before I moved out. So... <laughs> I've been following you for a while, yeah. but I, I, you know, I listened to your podcast. I watched your Facebook page and there were so many things that resonated with me. And then there were so many things that I didn't get advice on, but just knowing that there were other people going through the same things that I was going through and that sometimes it works and sometimes it don't mm-hmm. put things in perspective. I mean, having someone to to talk to about it, like I said, a therapist, um, I wouldn't suggest talking to family and friends because they're biased. They're always going to be biased and they're always going to encourage you to leave that fool, you know? And not just that, but they're going to carry that resentment once you've let it go. That's right. Mm -hmm. I had to, you know, I had to make a decision and and I'll, and I tell this to everybody. (laughs) You have to make a decision. Okay. 
I say that I love Jason, and I do. I love him very much. It's very obvious <laughs> that I do. But love is not always enough. Mm-hmm. There came a point in time where we had to work through the issues we have of disrespecting one another and allowing it, allowing others to. We had to work through the resentment we have for each other. Being able to just communicate with one another without screaming and yelling and getting so emotional that that takes over and, and the disrespect starting all over again. That mm-hmm. was our biggest, biggest thing that we had to accomplish. And you know what? We still haven't perfected it yet. <laughs> There are still times where, where we talk about things and it gets heated and we're just like, you know what? I'm going to take a walk. Yep. Yeah. You know, we've gotten to that point to where, you know, we can go take these breaks and do what we need to do to, to calm ourselves down. But look, Lori, it was not easy. It is not for the week. Yes. But it's not impossible. I'm here to tell you guys it is not impossible. Right. <laughs> so, Let's not forget to talk about the family court system. So let's go back to that. Yes. Okay. When did y'all start going or having to go to family court? What was the trigger? Did your husband initiate it? Did the ex initiate it? So I never experienced family court with his kids. The custody was already decided. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that we fought for his kids. Things just, you know, they worked the way they worked for them. Like I said, Jason worked a lot. So he got his kids every single weekend and then that's just how things worked. But for me, I had gone through, I was, I had separated a year before my ex-husband, before I had met Jason and we had gone through the divorce process or whatever. But I was in the middle of a custody battle when I met him over my middle two kids. Okay. And I'm trying to think of how I say this without throwing people under the bus because that's not what I'm in the business of doing. My ex-husband, my my youngest son's dad, decided to participate in a lifestyle that we couldn't follow him in. We'll just say that. Okay. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Minus the sex and the rock and roll. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, it was something that was dangerous and it was not what was best for the rest of the family. Now, I did tell you in our previous interview that my middle two children's stepmother was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. She just did not like me, does not like me, did not want me in the picture, went through above and beyond measures to try to get me out of the picture. But in discovering that my ex-husband had an addiction, that was all they needed. That was it. That was all they needed. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, even though I wasn't an addict, never have been, that that was not the, I wasn't participating in that lifestyle, but because he was, and I was trying to help him as his wife and and get him treatment and, and do the things that a wife should do (laughs) for her family. It kind of took, it it took a turn for the worse with, with the custody arrangement with my kids. So we had that point, had a shared custody arrangement and Mm -hmm. it went from shared to him having full custody and me having supervised visitations with my kids. Okay. So your second husband, which you had two kids with, right, ended up taking you to court to get custody of the kids because of what he heard about the third husband. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you go to court and at that time, are you still with the third husband? 
Yeah, we were still married. Like I said, we, we were doing outpatient treatment at that time. I had made arrangements for my kids to where they would never be alone with him. They, they were being, you know, after school care, whatever. He wasn't, oh God, this probably sounds horrible. <laughs> he wasn't doing anything that would have hurt them. He was doing things that made him sleep a lot. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't involved in something that was going to cause him to lash out or be abusive or go psychotic or anything like that. He was participating in, in abuse that, that equaled him passing out. Right. So I made sure that the kids were taken care of in the area of we had somebody watching them after school. He was not with the kids unsupervised ever, mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> and right. when I found out, I will go back and say this. When I found out that he was doing it, I left. I moved out. I left him. I took the kids. We're not doing this. The only way that we can work this out is if you get help. And so at that point, that's where we're at. He's getting help. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a, hey, you can go get messed up every day if you want to, and I'll take care of the kids. It wasn't like that. It was a little more complicated. I'm, mm-hmm. he, he, was, he had gone through some treatment and then got out and was doing outpatient. So we were going through the process of getting him sober. Right. And, you know, they found out or How whatever. Out? And private investigator. <gasps> really? Yeah. She hated me. Yeah, she hates me. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, she just, she. Well, how would it, well, I guess when you're going to rehab or treatment or things like that, the private investigator is going to be able to find that out pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So they found out through the private investigator and they took you to court. Yeah. Did the judge give you any like alternative, for instance, did he say, if you leave your current husband, then. I won't take your kids from you. No. Did they ever ask you if you were willing to leave your current husband for the quote, quote, safety of your kids? No. Okay. So you go to court and nothing with court is cut and dry or black and white. Well, let me tell you this. We were in the middle of a court case Mm -hmm. and they gave temporary custody because of the situation, they gave temporary custody to my ex-husband. Okay. And we had a court date for a review. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we went back for the review, I had hired a lawyer. And when we went back for the review, they had changed judges. My judge had retired. Okay. And when we went back to the review, the new judge said, well, the previous judge knows better than I. We're going to just make this permanent. Boom. Done. What? I didn't get to fight for it. I didn't. No, ma'am. Yeah. It, the court systems in my state are poo. I didn't get to fight for it. I didn't get to plead my case. I didn't get to show my evidence as to why the kids did not need to be with their dad. I didn't get to do any of that. And so I got my kids. They told me I had every other weekend and every Wednesday is what they gave me. Every other weekend and every Wednesday. I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I'm not shocked because the family <laughs> court system... I don't know if there's anything that could shock me after all the stories I've heard, but what did your attorney say? Anything like, Oh, well, sorry. Yeah. I look, I hired three different attorneys trying to, to get this changed, to trying to get my kids back home. My kids didn't want to live with their dad. They, right. they, it caused so many problems, uh, health issues. My daughter, 
was having horrible panic attacks throwing up. My son was having these lash out sessions where he would freak out and I would just have to hold him and just rock him, you know. You know, they're 10, 11, 12 years old at this point. And they're just like, they don't want to be without their mom. They've been with me their whole life. Right. You know, their dad wasn't active in their life in the very beginning a whole lot. You know, I had the kids all the time. You know, he was in and out whenever he wanted to uh, after we separated. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad man. I'm not saying that, but he just, you know, he was doing his own thing after we separated. So anyway, right. it was very strenuous on the kids to be without me. And it was hard and they didn't understand it. And But I will tell you, the lawyers, I don't know if I just had bad taste in lawyers or <laughs> what the deal is. But the last lawyer I hired said, well, you know, they'll grow up and they'll realize at one point in time or at some point in time, they'll grow up and they'll realize, you know, that it wasn't you and, you know, this, that and the third. And I'm like, that's that is not at all what we're trying to do here. I didn't want child support. I didn't need anything for my man. I just wanted my kids. Right. Now, did they ever bring up possibly filing an appeal or did you file an appeal? I did. And I lost it. So, and then I was ordered to pay child support. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long, strange trip. <laughs> but yeah, just, that's, that's part of our life. Yeah. Those that have listened to our podcast know that I've been in the family court system off and on for almost 18 years. And it's just crazy. And then the stories we hear just make it even crazier. But at one point, my ex did try to appeal something. Appellate attorneys are not cheap. And they have to respond with so much paperwork. It's crazy. But I felt like I had to have an attorney. Because I didn't know what to do. And as a parent, you're freaking out that, oh my gosh, this is being appealed. What if they change it? What do I do? And the only thing I knew to do was to get an attorney. I can't imagine how you felt really trying to fight for your kids. And not only has one judge, I don't want to say screwed you, but let you down, we'll say. But then Mm -hmm. it's going to the appellate court. And they didn't see anything wrong with the second judge saying that. Yep. They, I mean, he just totally, our case wasn't even reviewed. I mean, it wasn't even reviewed. You know, I walk up to the stand and I've got this suitcase full of evidence and letters from doctors and even letters my children have written, you know, and he's just like, well, judge so-and-so knows better than I do. We'll just keep it like it is. And I'm just like you. I'm floored. I, I was just floored. I'd have probably went to jail. Uh, <laughs> Did you? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But I, it took everything I had inside of me to remind myself that I didn't need to screw this up for my kids. Right. Because I was very upset. Because God and, forbid, if you would have reacted, like we talked about earlier, if you would have reacted, you could have lost that every other weekend visitation and never seen your kids again and still had to pay child support. Yep. Yep. I've been through the ringer with that. I hate going to court. It is a trauma. It's a trigger for me. <laughs> it's traumatic. Even the thought of, of anything like that, you know, I don't have to worry about that with my older kids anymore, but I do have a 13 year old, you know, and his dad is, I'm not, he's not, 
involved a whole lot, but it, it scares me. What if his dad tried to do something? That's such a traumatic experience for me. Yeah. And, you know, going through this before I met my current spouse, but I was still going through the motions of trying to get my visitation arranged when I met Jason. But this is, you know, again, something else nobody talks about is trying to be there for your stepkids when you don't get to see your own. That was so hard for me. Yes. Um, I love those boys so much. I do. I love my stepkids. I don't always like them, but Mm -hmm. I do love them. And I wanted them to have the greatest experience that they could have because their dad and them deserved that. But feeding them dinner Saturday night, playing board games, playing Risk or Monopoly or laughing and cutting up and the strength it took me not to just absolutely melt because I missed my own kids so much. Right. You can't, it's not explainable. You know, we deal with a lot of people in the academy through coaching and things like that. And a lot of times we have to remind the step parent that some of their not so good feelings towards the stepkids could be because they don't have their kid as often as their partner has the stepkids. That's absolutely true. That's 100% true. And I think that as parents, we don't consciously acknowledge that for Uh our spouse or our stepchildren. We really don't. We don't acknowledge how difficult it might be for Jason to see my son every day and his are grown up and he misses them. I miss my adult children. I, I miss my adult children horribly badly. Yes. I talked to my oldest child today. She's telling me that she's moving to North Korea. And I'm just like, what? Oh, my gosh. So I mean, South Korea. I'm sorry, South Korea. My bad. Moving to South Korea. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's funny you brought that up because I guess we will say my stepdaughter-in-law the other day mentioned that they had talked about trying to get stationed in Korea. Versus here in the States, because the base there at now has a lot of deployments. When she's told me, I'm thinking, no, why you want to leave me? You're going to take the grandbaby and just go to Korea? What are you thinking? And these are the stepkids. I can't imagine my own kid, if they told me that, I'd I'd call and put them on the passport list where they can't travel or something. I don't know what I would do. No, I mean, I support her. She's. She's my artist and, and my musician, and she's got my gypsy spirit. So, you know, I, I want her to touch every piece of grass on this earth if she can. So I support it 100%. Doesn't make it easy on me, but I definitely support her. Yeah. Well, I know David had said before that when Jackson would go to his dad's on the weekend and I would make a comment that I miss Jackson or I wouldn't go in his room. You, I mean, it just it puts you kind of in a funk. Sometimes. And Dave, you know, told me later that he wanted to go, what are you complaining about? I haven't seen my kids in six days. And you're going to not see yours for 48 hours. We don't think about right. that. We really don't. And, and it becomes, it becomes, uh, well, but it's because it's habitual. You know, it's our lifestyle. Right. But you know, in saying that, that's usually the fathers that, that have to experience missing the kids on the weekends, but it happens to moms too. Right. And, but either either side, it's not okay. 
Well, here's the thing. And I know you see it in Facebook groups too, where somebody says, I can't take this. I'm going to leave my husband. Okay. I understand there are situations that you do need to leave. I definitely understand that. But are you prepared to give up your child possibly 50% of the time? Because if you've got an hours kid, that's a real thing that may happen. And if you think little Johnny, yeah, if you think little Johnny leaving a mess in the living room is hard to deal with, deal with waking up Christmas morning without your bio kid. Yes, ma'am. That's a pain that you, (laughs) you don't feel until you feel it. Right. And it is hard. It is a hard, hard thing to experience. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for doing things that make you happy. I think that, unfortunately, in this day and age, people rush into marriages and relationships because we're so easily entertained. But, and without doing the, you know, relationship work, because it's just so easy to get out of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then but they rush into separation got, or divorce. Exactly. Exactly. And then you're going to have the same problems. That's right. That's right. Yep. But yeah, you, you're going to have the, you're going to keep having the same problem until you work things out in yourself. I, I will tell you 100% when you become the best you that you can be, that's when you become the best stepmom, stepdad, spouse, friend, daughter, brother, sister, whatever. But until you're that, you're that best you, which requires a lot of work, <laughs> then you're going to have challenges and it all just depends on how you respond and react to those things. Right. And how you let things affect you. That's right. Absolutely. In my past, I would not have been a key speaker on that. I'm telling you. Oh, no. I am re- automatic respond. I have a temper uh, and it's short. So yep. same here, you know, but it, you it know took what? a lot of work. Now, instead of when something annoys me, it's almost instinctual. I don't react because I've practiced it for so long of not letting my emotions take over. And y'all don't get us wrong when we say this because you feel the emotion. Yes, something can make Mm -hmm. you mad. Don't push it under the rug. Be mad for two, three minutes, then move on. But I refuse Mm -hmm. to let some butthead that's pushing me down the road, riding my butt in the car, steal my joy. I refuse to let a dirty dish make me mad for 20 minutes. It's not going to happen. I put the emotional weight on things now that I feel like they truly deserve. And it takes a lot of work to get there. Yes. Um, Some people have better patience than others. You know, all of our virtues are different. Patience was not a virtue that I was born with. So, Mm -mm. you know, it definitely, and I still lose my patience at times, but growth, everybody, just growth in everything, but especially in being a step parent, (laughs) it's not that important. You have to pick and choose what hills you want to die on. Compromise. You have to be willing to compromise. You have to understand that you're, joining and blending two different families from two different upbringings and maybe even two different sides of the world or the United States or religious views or either way you want to look at it. Your husband was not raised the same way that you were and you were not raised the same exact way as him. Yeah. And you're blending a family together with different views, different beliefs, 
different responses, different reactions. And you, as an adult, as a mature adult, have to find a way to coexist in these differences with your spouse in a way that is joyful and progressive for your family. Yes. It is not all about you. If you're a biological mom, it is not all about you. If you're a stepmom, it is not all about you. Yes. You don't come into somebody else's house and just completely just bully and bulldog your way through getting what you want because you're the new wife and things are going to be this way. If that is your outlook, do not need to marry that man because that man and that kids, those kids do not deserve your drama. Right. And if they are moving into your house, if you're of the mentality of my house, my rules, good luck there, girlfriend. If you're getting married to somebody who has kids, it's not you right. anymore. You know, right. it's you're their blending house this too. family. Absolutely. I don't care if you pay for the whole thing. Maybe it's not their quote, quote house, but it should be their home. Exactly. You're, you're inviting them into your life. You're wanting to, you're vowing to spend your life loving and caring for this family. No matter what, no matter what, that's what you're vowing to do. Yep. Yeah. If you're not ready, don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. So let me ask you this. The one step kid that you have the biggest issues with, mm-hmm. how often are you around him? Um, not very often anymore. Uh, he comes around occasionally. He will come to our home to visit his dad. And occasionally Jason will go over to his place to visit him. But I have decided as a form of my boundaries that I have attempted in, in the differences that he and I have. Um, I have attempted to be kind and cordial and welcoming and inviting and, you know, converse with him and, and engage with him, you know, when he's mm-hmm. around. And for the past two and a half years, he has chosen to continue to disrespect my home and ignore me and roll his eyes and act like he didn't hear me and just whatever else. So in my attempt of two and a half years to try to get through to, you know, let's just all just kind (laughs) of be cool when we have to be around each other and him just not want to do that. I have accepted that he does not want to forgive me. He does not want to move forward and he wants to go above and beyond to show his displeasure with me so to avoid that even being an issue I have laid the boundary down of I'm going to be in my room when he comes over because not because I'm hiding from him but because I'm just not going to give you the opportunity to upset me like that I'm not going to give you the opportunity to embarrass me in front of the other people or whatever it is you feel like you need to do to go above and beyond I'm going to go see my friends or go hang out with, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go do something with the youngest son. I'm going to stay in my room and watch a movie or play a video game, whatever it is I got to do. I just, I'm not around him anymore. Yeah. So you're not showing him. Yeah. I'm not showing him. I'm not stepping on his toes. I'm not allowing him to step on mine. Yeah. I'm not trying to force myself on him. See, that's what my husband wants me to do. My husband wants me to force myself on him. He, because, he, of course, he wants everybody to go along. So in his eyes, I should force myself into making my appearance and, you know, don't run away because you're scared. And da, 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 da. Well, people don't always run away because they're scared. And I'm not running away. 
I just choose to not allow him to step on my toes because I know the type of things that do make me upset and do trigger me. And that's one of those things. So to keep my peace, I choose to do something else and not be engaged with such ignorant behavior, in my opinion, ignorant behavior. Now, when you say that he disrespects your house, give me an example, because I know this can be (laughs) from one extreme to the other, from not taking his shoes off to tearing up stuff that's going to cost you money. He moves stuff around in my house. He will turn my crosses upside down or, you know, move, move pictures or just stupid dumb stuff. Childish, stupid stuff. Very petty. Yeah. Very petty. But he knows, I mean, yeah, it would annoy me if somebody came in and started doing that crap in my house. And I would, Mm -hmm. I would want to say, why exactly are you doing this? And see, some people will say, well, you're in your room. You can't stop him. Well, the thing is, you couldn't stop him when you were out of your room and he was doing this stuff unless you physically stopped him, which would definitely end up in a bad situation. Oh, yeah. 100%. He's just got some growing up to do. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what, do, what does your husband say? Because I know I can see David. If one of the stepkids came in and started moving pictures around or just moving the silverware even, he would be like, what are you doing? Put that back. Is your husband to the point that he's just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just let him do whatever and we'll fix it. We'll go back and move everything back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, He doesn't think it's that big of a deal. It has, and we have addressed it. My husband has sat all the boys down when we decided to move back in together after the 16 months apart or whatever. You know, when he sat him down as adults and he was like, look, I love Shelly. You know, we've had our good times and our bads, but we're we're trying to work this out. We want to be together. We want to spend our life together. We want to do life together. And so we're we're moving back in together and we're going to do this. And you guys are not going to disrespect her. You're not going to come in here and be mean to her. You know, you don't have to love her. You don't have to like her, but you will respect her. This mm-hmm. is her home. This is not my house. And she moved in. This is our home. Mm-hmm. But yeah. because they're adults, he can't choose whether or not they actually respect whether and what he says. They don't have to respect him if they don't want to. Yeah, and, but you know, two of them. And I get it. I two get of it. them do, but the, yeah, it's, it's it, part of me saying, "Well, I'll be darned if he if they're not going to respect his home, which is also your home. They wouldn't come over." But as I say that, I'm thinking, it's his kid. Mm-hmm. He, and again, oh, honey, he look, doesn't I, see I, it as a big deal when he moves pictures around or whatever, because he's being stupid is what he's doing. Right. But And when I say stupid, I mean the stepson's being stupid by doing that. So right. I can see your husband going, look, it's not like he's setting the place on fire. It's not like he's planting drugs and calling <laughs> the cops. I mean, again, we have to give things the same emotion, the proper emotional weight. But I'm, I, I, oh, that's got to be so frustrating for both of you. It is. And when all this kind of stuff just first started happening, I I took on that bully approach. Like you said, like, okay, look. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen, I'm not your mama, but I'm going to show you what she should have done. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that's just the Southern in me. But no, we never, I, I, I never, I never was that way with my stepchildren. But 
100%. You know, I was like, I made a huge deal out of it. It really triggered me. It really affected me. And then one day after Jason and I had a knockdown drag out fight about it, I mean, screaming at each other about it. I went in my room and I was crying and I was so frustrated and I was like, I just don't know how to fix this. I just don't know if this is worth it anymore. You know, like I just can't stand it anymore. And I asked myself, what are you upset about? What are you upset about? Mm-hmm. You're upset because he turned your cross upside down and it has caused such a problem that you are questioning your entire relationship. This man has not cheated on you. This man has not gone behind you, besides you, outside of you, lied about anything. He's taking care of you. He's taking care of your son. He's a, he's, you know what I'm saying? He's your yeah. friend. He's your partner. He's your confidant. And you're upset and wanting to leave him because his son flipped the crossover. What, yeah. what, what is going on with you? Yeah. Look inside you. Yeah. And then I started realizing, oh, you know what? <laughs> this really sounds so, it's just, I'm letting all of this overwhelm me. And in letting all of this overwhelm me, this kid is getting exactly what he wants. Right. And I'm not dismissing your he triggers. Does. And we're not dismissing anybody's triggers. But, and I'm, I am going to make a joke about this though. Can you imagine going to court for a divorce and they say, Miss Jones, why are you wanting to divorce Mr. Jones? And you say, because his son turned my cross over. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, so, you know, when, and, when you look yeah. at it from that point of view, it's like, hmm. But again, I'm not dismissing anybody's triggers because empty oh, cereal yeah. boxes are a trigger for me. Not when it's my son, but when it's the stepkids it is. And you have to acknowledge those triggers. And like I said earlier, you have to feel the emotion. But leaving your husband over something like that is not practical. It's not. And a lot of people will automatically run to the, well, he's your husband. He's supposed to be on your side. Well, he's your husband. He's supposed to stand up for you. He's supposed to support you. And you know what? You're 100% right. He is. But also, can you stop and think about how it would make you feel if the shoe was on the other foot, knowing that you love your biological child as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And your biological child is going through some part of their life where they're feeling petty or they're childish or they're being immature or whatever else. And it's not really hurting anybody. It's just annoying. Mm -hmm. And your husband coming to you and saying, if you don't make your adult child stop turning my crossover, then I'm leaving you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you imagine how that would make you feel? Yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. Can you not? So I have to, I've had to do that. I've had to do that. Well, you just and have instead, to regroup so instead of sometimes. Your, you do. And it, but instead of putting your, your spouse who has the troublesome child in the middle of it, you just have to, you have to create boundaries for yourself. And again, I say that in jest, abuse and neglect are totally different. We're yes. not speaking on that, but right. just generalistic situations that are just petty and just ignorant and stupid. <laughs> you have to learn when to let things go. And just create boundaries for yourself. Yes. Yes. I think I'm going to name this podcast Stepmom Who Almost Left Her Husband Over Upside Down Cross. <laughs> Literally, you can. <laughs> but it's, you can name it sporadic, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things that sometimes when you see those things, 
it's not that the cross is upside down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what that represents. And what that represents to you could be that your husband is letting this stepkid do this crap, that your husband is not mm-hmm. making this child respect your home, that the husband is letting little Johnny get away with whatever because he doesn't want to upset him. You could turn that around mm-hmm. easily, but mm-hmm. you are looking at it completely different and in a good way. You're looking at it as, you know what? I'm just staying away from the kid because we can't get along. If he <laughs> wants to come in and rearrange my house, that's fine. His dad can fix it when he leaves. Mm-hmm. Simple. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Uh, it was, it's a lot more simple than we make it sometimes because, like yes. I said, we let our emotions get the better of us because we're yeah bound and determined to make sure we're the woman of the house now, which you've already established that dominance. You don't have to, but, I mean, mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to let things go that are – I mean, seriously, think about it. Next time you're in an argument over some, you know, the dishes in the sink or, you know, somebody put walked through the house mud on their shoes, how easy is that to clean up? opposed to how hard it is and how stressful and hurtful and heartbreaking is divorce is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We talk to people a lot of times where they have OCD and it drives them back crap crazy that the stepkid doesn't pick up after themselves. And I get it because I had to learn to let go of some of my OCD because if not, I was going to get divorced besides the other crap we went through, but because there were so many kids when they came in and took their shoes off and their book bags and their jackets. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. And it drove me crazy until I sat there and said, I love my husband. I like these kids sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I love my stepkids now, but you know, it depends on what day it was back then. But I'm not going to fight or get divorced over the fact that there's shoes on the floor. Instead, I can pick them up because I'm the one that has the issue. David didn't care if there were shoes on the floor. I cared. I had the issue. I could either get pick them up myself or I could ask David and say, can you help me by picking these up? Because he knows I have that issue. How long does it take to do that? It don't take any time. And that's exactly what I was going to say, too. I have OCD as well. And like I said, Jason will go buy new plates before he washes, washes dishes. <laughs> so that's a that's a huge area of gray there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And as a person who has OCD and ADD, I don't do gray areas. It's black or white with me. But right. for him, it's all gray. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ergo that whole moving two different lifestyles into one house, everybody has to compromise. And compromise means we both sacrifice. So right. that was, a, it's a, exactly the same for me, Lori. I had to learn that. Although my mother chased me with a wash rack as a child, his mama did. Right. So, same, same. You know, yep. I just, <laughs> we got to chill out. We got to relax. Yep. There was one time that, well, Every day, whether we had school or not, we had chores. And you did not choose not to do those chores because the fear of God had been put into you. And during the summer, that list was more extensive. But I remember 
one time my mom had told my sister and I to clean up the playroom. We did. It wasn't done to her liking. This was a school night. She woke us up like one o'clock in the morning and made us go clean that playroom. We probably could have had her in jail if that was now because that's abuse (laughs) in a lot of ways. But that's how my mom was. And so when I came into a relationship where their kids were older, I had really high expectations for those kids based off of how I was parented. But I will say, when my son reached the age of those kids, I did not have those expectations because I did not want him to have the life that I had growing up. And that's right. And I think that that's how, I think that's how generations kind of ebb and flow these days. You know, we want to be a little bit better than our parents, but not so open as to the people questioning Mm -hmm. every single part of their selves. So, but I was raised the same way. Absolutely. We had chores every single day. And if they weren't done, it was the belt. Yes. Yes. You know, I I remember one time my step, we had strict rules. We were not to sleep with the TV on at night. We could not sleep with the television on. And I woke up one night, my stepdad was whooping my butt with a belt. That's how he woke me up because I left the TV on. So, I mean, we come from, but different generations, but Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. My son sleeps with a TV on every night now. It's not a problem for me. So, you know, well, and and that's the the same way. Is when you're raised with a, oh, let's say, we'll just say very strict parent. Either you're going to copy that with your child because you see there are benefits to being strict Mm -hmm. with your kids, or you're going to be a lot more lax because you as an adult still remember as a child asking your mom for lunch money and her having a negative reaction and how that made you feel and 45 years later or whatever it is, 40 years later, you still feel that pain. Yeah. And you don't want that for your kids. That's a lot of times people automatically think guilty parent syndrome is based off of the fact that say Jackson's dad and I are not together. That's a little bit of it, but a bigger part of it is I want my son to feel the love for me that I didn't feel from my mom. And oh, girl, you nailed it right on the head for me. That was yep. the, my whole goal as a mother is to make sure that my children know I love them. I might not have done anything else right. <laughs> yep. But girl, same. Yep. Same. <laughs> Sometimes we I, forget I that our significant others are parenting the way they are or not parenting the way they are because of how they were raised, whether Mm -hmm. it's they're trying to imitate how they were raised or trying to not imitate how they were raised or the guilty Mm -hmm. parent syndrome kicks in because of the ex and not having a full nuclear family for your child, or it can just be, they don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. You know what? And sometimes it's a mix of all three. I think that, and I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, I think that a lot of the reason that I was so patient and have been so patient with my husband in particular, because like I told you, any other relationship I had been in, I was, I was out the door. Yeah. You, you do something I didn't like, I'm gone. I'd have been hostile. Uh, for whatever reason. Exactly. But for whatever reason, it's a little different with Jay. I've learned, I've definitely learned growth and I've learned patience and I've learned 
a lot of stuff I probably need to have learned early on. But for him in particular, he lost both of his parents at a very young age. His uh, mother passed when he was 18, and I think his dad died a couple of years later. He was 21. And so I go back to thinking of, like, looking at our 18-year-olds, his and mine, and seeing how immature they are and what they don't know and what right. they're not doing. You know what I'm saying? And the things that we as parents have to continue to teach them because they don't stop learning when they're 18. Right. A lot of these parents are like 18 and you're out of here. Okay. This kid is just now realizing, Oh gosh, I'm an adult now. Like that is. This kid's just realizing I need to wash behind 18. my ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kids are still stupid when they're 18. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, they're, they don't have it all together. And mm-hmm. so I think about having lost both of his parents at so young, how he did not have that influence and he did not have that support. Right. And he didn't have that resource. Yep. And so he just kind of had to, at one of the most harder times in his life, transitioning between boy and man, and then becoming a young father himself and not having that support there. That was, that was hard for him. And I think too, a lot of times people forget that men have emotions too. Right. (laughs) So, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that was really hard on him. And I think that that's what taught me to give so much of my time and my patience with him. You were giving him that. Giving him something, girl. <laughs> you were giving him grace. I hope he appreciates it. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> we need to have him on here now. <laughs> Look, let's ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I am so glad that first of all that you came back on the podcast so we could talk more about stuff, but also that when you did leave for those 16 months, that you didn't give up on your marriage. It was hard, but. If you want something bad enough, you make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's all I can tell you. That's all I can say. Well, before we wrap up, let me ask you this. When y'all split up, did y'all continue to see each other? Was there a time frame that you took a break and not a Ross Rachel break, but a, a real break to where it was like, uh, we're just going to not talk for a little while and see how things go. See if we kind of feel the same way about each other. Or did y'all just completely kick into, we're still together, we're just in different homes, and we're going to figure out how to make this work? When we first split up, it was, we realized that we needed to take a break, not a Ross and Rachel break, but a break from communicating every single day, all the time. We didn't see each other every day, obviously, like we had before. So we were still together. We wanted to establish that we were still together Mm -hmm. and we were still in a monogamous relationship with each other, but we just was kind of, we were kind of backing off to maybe work on ourselves a little bit more and go through some managing some of the things in our life that we need to manage outside of our relationship and focus more on that than on the relationship. So we respected each other, didn't see other people. And it wasn't like a, I hate you, you hate me. And then we talked to each other six months later type deal. You know, we, mm-hmm. we retained our status, but we just kind of, we kind of backed off of each other and gave some, each other some space. Yeah. And as hurtful as it was at that point in time, it, cause I will tell you, it devastated me. It hurt me so bad. Oh, um, I can imagine. And I'm, sh- I'm sure it hurt him too, you know, as well, but as badly as it hurt me after everything that we had gone through, it was the only thing that saved us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We would not be together right now if we had not done that. Yep. Did the stepkids throw a party when you left? I don't really know. <laughs> you know they did, girl. You know they were like, oh, yeah. Or at least that one did. Well, the one was doing whatever he wanted to do, regardless if I was there or not. But, yeah, that's um, true. I like to think that he, he took advantage of having, excuse me, took advantage of having a little more time with his dad. And that's good because that's what that kid needed at that point in time. Because regardless right. of how I feel about that child and how that child treated me and how hurt I was, he was going through some stuff. Yep. And, you know, he needed his dad at that point in time to, to help him get through it, whatever it was. And it, and that didn't include me. And, and I, had still, to, I had to respect that. And he still is going through some stuff, obviously. He is. And I just like to tell myself that at some point in time, he'll grow up. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to let him steal my peace. So right. I can promise you that I don't lose any sleep at night over it. I used to. It used to hurt me bad because, believe it or not, that, that child was the one that I was closest to out of the three boys he has. Mm-hmm. I was closest to that one. That one was my baby. Yeah. Said so people go through different things at different times in their life. And out of respect for both of us, I just choose to have my own boundaries and, and go on about my own business. Hopefully yep. he'll grow out of it. Hopefully he'll get over it and, and do what he needs to do to be his best self too. And maybe one day he'll forgive me for my part in, in the hurt that I caused. So yeah, and maybe he won't, but I don't have any control over that. And like I said, you, 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 why worry about things you can't control? Yep. You can't, you can't control people. The only thing that you can control is your reaction to, exactly. to whatever happens in life. That's the only thing you can control is how you react to it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Shelly, thank you again for being a guest. We really appreciate it. And I feel like we could have you back on again and talk about even more stuff. <laughs> Anytime. Well, thanks again, and you have a great day. You too. Thanks, Lori. I had one lady reach out to us, and she wants to be a guest on our podcast, and she said, I bet it will be your longest podcast yet. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I said, don't worry. We can break it up into more than one episode. Uh, Yeah. I love those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if it's good. That's like, you know, when we first started podcasting, People always ask the question of how long should your podcast be? I asked you that question. Yeah. And, you know, if you go and look, you've got podcasts that are five or 10 minutes. you got podcasts that are four or five hours. But, you know, the answer is it needs to be as long as it is. So, Or it um, needs to be as long as it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. But as long as it's good, valuable information, keep it going. I mean, you can always break it up. I mean, we do have a time that we try to keep it within. Um, or we'll break it up, or you'll break it up. But um, yeah, I think, you know, why limit it to 30 minutes if there's tons of value in it? Yeah. Well, and there's so many questions to ask. Sometimes at 30 minutes, we're just getting into it. Oh, yeah. yeah it takes 30 minutes before you get people to 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 loosen up enough <laughs> to really start sharing. And then some people say, well, then just start recording at 30 minutes. <laughs> okay, well, then you're going to miss how many stepkids they had, how many bio kids, all that stuff. Yeah. You- you missed all the foundation of what got us there. Right. So I know in the beginning, people would comment and say, oh, my gosh, every episode's like an hour. Okay. You can listen to it at two speed or whatever it is, double time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're Southern. So if you listen to it double time, 
You're still going to catch every word because we're kind of slow when we speak. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I have to sit through commercials sometimes when I watch TV. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I will pause it just so I can fast forward through commercials. Yes. And also, I know we're at the end now, but if you don't like the beginnings of our podcast where David and I talk about stuff sometimes that you're not interested in, there is a fast forwarding ability. Mm -hmm. So utilize that. Yeah, and miss all that heavenly glory. Oh, Lord, help. <laughs> well, if they missed last week's and sped through it, they missed a lot, that's for sure. Yep. Okay, that's all I got for right now. But next week, we do have an announcement to make. Oh, boy. I hope you're not pregnant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it that Ethan said the other day? Um, aren't you a little too old to even say that such things? Uh, that always scares me. <laughs> what? The the chances of you being pregnant. What? What you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, folks, join us next week. Remember, life is good. When you nacho your husband. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Kind of, sort of. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.